Hey, welcome back to Growing in Christ through Ephesians podcast. Uh, my name is Steve Durr, and I'm here with Stephen Thompson. Hey, what's up? And Jeff Steele. Stephen. Jeffrey, if we're going all formal. Jeffrey. What's the middle name, Jeff? Ryan. Jeffrey Ryan. J-R. Night. J- Can we call you J-R? No. All right, so JR, you're going to start us off today. Ew. Just kidding. Uh, so we, this past week, uh, were uh, going through Ephesians chapter, like the tail end of chapter 2, and we've begun chapter 3. And uh, so what we wanted to do today is just kind of hone in on this passage and discuss it a little bit. It's from Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 19. It says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. We are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. All right, so we're talking Jew and Gentile. Steve, can you give us a little recap real quick what the issue is for anyone who might not recognize that or remember? Between the Jews and the Gentiles? Yeah. Uh, essentially, you have the Jewish people who have been the chosen ones through whom God was redeeming and restoring the earth, and God had uh, somewhat surprisingly to them way opened up his plan and uh it, it was actually the original plan from beginning of uh, before the beginning of the earth but it was it was news um to a lot of people and there was a whole lot of people coming into the this new community and through the doors that were unexpected that were different that were uh previously actually shouldn't have even been there they shouldn't have been associating with so it was how do we make a family how do we make a new people uh, the words of Paul, how do we make a new building? How is Jesus going to make this new temple out of these diverse people with different backgrounds, different beliefs, different ways of doing things, different um, values, uh, different enculturations? So here you go. How do we make this happen? And Paul's heart is it's got to happen. Right, right. And there, and, and in the midst of that, um, it's got to happen. Um, it, it seems as if the in chapter three, um, he talks about the importance of the church in all its diversity, uh, ethnic with its ethnicity of Gentile and Jew together, become really a light to the world to see Jesus. It's in the midst right. of that diversity and unity in that. And so, Jeff, how did this passage impact you? Well, a lot. Man, there's there's a lot of of stuff in here. You talk about diversity in the community. Um, I think somebody mentioned it this week, where you had wealthy and slaves, yeah. even in the church, sitting side by side, that um, that the church was to be this kind of community where you didn't have all of those barriers, or or at least the thing that was uniting you, the thing that you had in common, was more significant than whatever ethnic or right. um, socioeconomic kind of barrier that you had between us, that this this community is, is someplace where the rich and the slave um, in that culture could actually be brothers, yeah. right? actually and be side by side. Can you imagine get a smaller gathering, you're going into a home where normally you've got the slave owner and he has his slave doing things on his behalf, he's responsible for things in the home, 
But when they get together in somebody else's home, or maybe it's the slave owner's home, and worship, the slave all of a sudden is the one that gets up in front and leads worship or has the word from the Lord or brings the song or whatever. And like, it was supposed to be all good. Like there's, it's, you know, that slave owner and you're my slave. That is not even a thing here. Right. Right. Now your family. Exactly. But, and then Paul is saying that's got to carry over, not just from our worship time together, but when you guys go back to your house and play this out, you still are brothers and sisters. You've got to figure out how to operate that way. And yeah. that would be super hard. And and it's hard because the world doesn't doesn't operate that way. Like our our natural inclination is to isolate, is to divide, it's to um really play up our differences and our barriers in such a way that you really can't have fellowship. Um there was, man, all kinds of stuff. Are you guys familiar with, with the the three Jewish blessings? The um yeah you know and and this came thank about you, Lord that I'm not a, thank you yeah. you know, praise be to the God of the universe who did not make me a gentile yeah praise be to him who did not make me a slave praise be to him who did not make me a woman yeah mm. like <laughs> yeah. this is how uh that you know, would be a terrible T-shirt <laughs> my word or bumper sticker but yeah. th- this is You'd how some and you some, probably should be yes <laughs> some uh Jewish men you know used to pray. And, and start the day. This was like part of this prayer um, ritual. Uh, you know, thank you, God, for my place and what you, who you made me and who you did not make me to be. And in just absolute stark contrast, you know, what is it? Um, there is no slave or free, male or female, female yeah. Jew or Gentile. Yes. Like in direct contrast right. to, to this idea that um, I have to be a certain kind of person in order to be part of this community. That's good. Well, as a faith family, for those of you who are not a part of our Watermark faith family, but you're listening, uh, welcome. So glad that you're joining us. Um, one of the things as a faith family, we, as each of us regularly teach in our faith family, um, is something that comes up from time to time that we talk about is ethnic diversity. Uh, the city we live in is is very much not ethnically diverse. And, uh, and I think Steve and Jeff and myself um, care a lot about that. And I just want to just we want to lay this out a little bit because I think sometimes you know you want to explain why this matters so much and, and it matters because obviously it's it matters to God um, as we just read, but um, as three white guys uh, who teach, um, one of the things that that I found and I know for you guys too, um, I didn't you know I cared about uh, ethnic diversity in the sense of like I thought that was probably good I'd been taught that you know that everyone's equal and all that and that should be good but it really wasn't until um we adopted our daughter um from Ethiopia and she's black um and all of a sudden brought her home that I started to recognize and see divisions and how diversity isn't always embraced and to see um you know her uh, followed around in a store uh, because of the color of her skin. Um, and, and so you, you see some things like that um, that sensitize you and go, wait a minute, I don't want this for my daughter. And so both Steve and Jeff also have um, have black children. And so I think for us, we're pretty passionate about that. And I'd imagine there's some people who are like, oh, can we get off on the, uh, can we just stop talking about the ethnicity thing? Right. So what? any thoughts from you guys on the importance of how that's impacted you and why that matters uh, based on what Paul's written here, but also just in your own faith. 
Yeah. And and this is one topic among many that we're trying to set up for, I would argue, we need to talk about all of these hard things all of the time. And so um, I don't know what to do about it all the time specifically, but at least we can engage in conversation about it and maybe make progress somehow in our community being, community being more inviting, more welcoming, um, because we have, okay, again, going back to what you said, we believe that God's desire is for us to have a multi-textured, multi-cultured, multi-ethnic um, uh, uh, feel. And so to hear studies like the United Way did uh, a couple years ago in their, in their population analysis of Ottawa County and to see that there's this bright whiteness about the northwest quadrant of Ottawa County standing in stark contrast to everywhere else in the 30-mile radius outside of Lake Michigan. There's nobody living there. Uh, <laughs> it's they're, they're, What's different? Why is yeah. there something different about that? There, it has to be an explanation for why it's that way. And I suspe suspect that it's not a good one. And sure. so how about we take a look at that? Let's talk about that. Um, because, yeah, as you say, it does come home when we have black children who are going to grow up in this community very much feeling a minority and probably going to feel the effects, although they might not be able to articulate that, of whatever is going on there. Sure. That's a right. little bit more to go on. Right. How about you, Jeff? I, th I think, okay, so the whole... Uh, concept of um, what they call transracial adoption is not it's not so much that um, having uh, two African-American sons in my home means that we are cured of our racism or our prejudice right for sure and I feel like that's a really big point and that might be easily misunderstood what it what I feel like it does is reveal to us more about our bias and our prejudice. Or being open to it. Well, certainly an openness it, yeah. because, I mean, because it's reality. But, but even being able to see in myself and, and maybe assess a little bit quicker than I would have otherwise um, in seeing a child who's not my son, uh, you know, out in public. And how did I just view that, that child? Um, you know, there's a lot of research. Uh, I, I I won't get into all the the um, school um, discipline yeah, stuff necessarily, yep. but um, especially I feel having boys, um, they're young and they're cute right now. But as they grow, uh, they they can be perceived as as older than they are, as more possibly threatening than they are, um, and that's a really scary thing for a parent. You know, so. If it does anything, it is more of an awareness um, trying to raise black boys in a white uh, community um, of their actions, of how much my own um, protection, if you want to call it white privilege, I know not everybody likes that term, but I use it and I believe it, you know, um, in, in certain instances, that's they get the benefit of that being young and in my household. But as they get older, then what? Yep. You know? Um, and so 
it, it, it doesn't, for a white person raising um, black children, I don't feel like it makes us any less biased or less prejudiced automatically. I think what it does is it, it, it gives uh, a, a different um, perspective and it reveals to us a little bit um, quicker our own hearts and our own motives. And if I could jump on that even just to try and be a little bit real with this, Steve already mentioned that we're three white guys and we're middle-aged. Welcome to the 40 Big yep. 4 Club, I'm so Jeff. excited just to be got in the club. Yeah. Uh, but so, and we are the teaching team right now at Watermark. And so um, anybody coming from the outside, regardless of what we say, may have the impression that um, ethnicities are not, either welcome or utilized or something on our team and females are not on the teaching team at least um on the worship team as hosts as other things but there could be an assumption made because of how we've hired or assembled assembled ourselves or whatever but that's not the case and so that speaks to our actions need to catch up with our beliefs right and i think that's true for for all these different things and and for time's sake Let's talk about some other things as well. So we've talked about ethnicity and the importance of learning to be a church that's ethnically diverse, you know, and, uh, and, and to reflect the unity in the midst of that diversity for the world to see. I mean, like John 17, Jesus prays that that unity then will reveal him to the world. Um, but it's not just ethnicity. I mean, there's a lot of other issues right. like uh, economics and political gender views. is huge right now. I feel like we're in the midst of this gender absolutely just gender war rearranging of the world, which is which is huge. And well, and, and again, awareness on behalf of males of how females experience the right, world. right, sure. and that's an eye-opening thing. Like if I can just to if I could give kind of the same example. Um, but not based on race, but based on gender. So, um, you know, I grew up in a house with all brothers. Uh, my oldest child is a, is a boy. Um, it's a male-dominated household that I grew up in, okay? The toilet seat was never down. If, if <laughs> That's ever, the true test. If ever you and walked the wall in... was stained. <laughs> if, just and joking. the toilet seat it's was disgusting. down. Sorry about And you're that, like, everybody. what the heck? How, why, why am I going to use that? Now yeah. I got to lift. So that's just, that's the house um, that we lived in. So when we got pregnant with our second child, we went to the ultrasound. We found out it was going to be a girl and terror of all terrors, right? To, <laughs> to this dad and, um, you know, super excited. And we went to the store. We're going to go buy something pink because we're having a girl and we're, and we're very excited. And I'm not even kidding. We walked into the store and there was this display. It was a Disney display and it was Tinkerbell. It was a blanket or lunch boxes or something. And the first thought that occurred to me, just found out I'm having a girl, never had this thought before was, Holy cow, has Tinkerbell's skirt always been that short? <laughs> is that necessary? Like, what is the deal with that? Why do our protective of Why Tinkerbell. do our female cartoon characters even have to be Exude a so sexualized? Of, yeah. Like, what is with that? Yeah. And I, it, it was like scales fell from my eyes. Yep. I'd never <laughs> seen it before. Never occurred to me. But all of a sudden, I'm the dad of a daughter. Yeah, and yeah. all of a sudden it matters. So we wouldn't get that without a diversity of opinion, a, ber- a diversity of context that we've just now. Been and able that's to see. the danger, I think, nowadays is we we can choose to uh, only hear and be around often 
people who are just like us, yes. or that's kind of the pull. Yes. I was listening to a, um, particularly politically as well, and issues of the day. Um, I was talking to a friend who is a pastor of a church, and um, they've been, you know, looking at the kingdom of God and scripture and and some of the things we're talking about today, just how uh, we're, we're called to be in the midst of our diversity, united together, and, and we're more made rich that way. And uh, they were sharing about a wide variety of issues on Jesus' view and Scripture's view on all kinds of different issues uh, on both sides of the aisle. Things that Republicans could get behind, things Democrats could get behind, but just how the kingdom of God isn't Republican or Democrat, it's it's the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so they were bringing up a, a variety of different issues. For, for these people, it was some, you know, talking about some ethnicity issues and, um, and the importance of uh, racial diversity and, you know, our own bias and thinking through that, seeing the image of God in everybody. And then another thing was immigration and wrestling with, with the challenge with that. And just, um, just some other, uh, you know, little kind of social type things. And so um, a, a family came to my friend and said, listen, um, we're going to this other church now uh, in, our, in your town because we want to be around people who think like us. And my friend was just shocked. He's like, you know, wait a minute. You, you, you're just, you, you think differently than, than maybe what we're sharing, what we believe Scripture says, first of all, which is kind of a, you know, okay, interpretation differences maybe, but we're going to leave here because we don't like what we're being told. It doesn't align with what we already believe uh, about certain issues. So we're going to go somewhere else where everyone thinks the same way. And then that's that makes us feel more comfortable. That's where we want to go. And yeah. it was kind of a shocking. Just I loved it though because it was honest. Yes. It wasn't well. You know, we'll grow more. You know. Oh, yeah. Um. It's it's you know no. I want to be around people or think with people who are and we're all drawn to that. Yeah. It's I'm, our you know, part. if I'm in a room with a bunch of Yankee fans and Tiger fans, I'm drawn to the Tiger yeah, fans. Absolutely. Right. Right. So we're all. I mean, that's a terrible example. But anyway, spring training's coming, and there we are. But um, baseball on the but brain. we're all drawn to people just like us. But then we miss out, just like you said, right? Yes, it's in the midst of that diversity where we grow, where we're aware of those things. Yes, and we look more like Jesus. Exactly, and that's why I'm so happy we're doing the podcasts the way we're doing them, where we have male and female voices, we have young and old voices. We even had somebody on this week, Daryl, who quoted <laughs> Good John job, Calvin, yes. and I'm like. Yeah, Daryl, you did great. But I'm, in my mind, I'm like, did he just say John Calvin? I think he meant John Wesley. <laughs> we're a Wesleyan church, for those of you who didn't for know. For those of you who don't or, know. Or we're affiliated. I may it. have a little bit of a theological bent this yeah, way. And right. so it took me a few seconds to get to the point where it's like, I am so glad Daryl quoted John Calvin because right. I need that perspective. I need beyond like where I tend to think and that kind of a yeah. thing. Uh, so it's that's been so good and I'm so glad we're part of the same faith family together and we get to worship together and talk about these things. Right. That's it's good. good. Well, and I think it's, it's, it's very difficult in today's world. I think more than ever to live in the tension of life yes. because it's so easy to leave it. And I think people crave, um, strong, uh, views and strong, uh, I don't know, streams or channels of thought. Black and white. Black and white. You know, this is what I think. I don't think this. I think this. And if I think this, that means this is wrong. I think people don't want to live in the tension of how do you love somebody, fully love them, and yet see that maybe how they're living their life isn't 
uh, in alignment with God and it's destroying other people. You know what I mean? How do we how do we live in all these different tensions of racial tensions and political tensions and uh, economic right. tensions, all the different divisions? And right. uh, I think that's a challenge. And it's not a new challenge. No, um, that, that's why we're reading the yeah, Ephesians, right? Clearly, right. That's like it's not it's. The expression of it is different culture to culture, but the yeah. core issue has not changed right. in, you know, thousands of years. You know, I th- I think about, you talk about churches dividing up um, into different camps, and, uh, man, that's that's just, that's, that's wow kind of uh, stuff right there. Um, so, uh, church history, uh, 4th century A.D., right? Um, the uh, The Donatists. And it always makes me think of the Donatists because the Donatists were like the hardcore church uh, sect. So when Christianity became legal uh, in the fourth century, you had gone through this entire time of persecution in the church. And so people like the, the government was actively uh, hunting the church and destroying the scriptures. And so they would they would come into a church and they would say, give us the scriptures. We're going to burn them. Some pastors resisted and were martyred. Some of them were killed. Some of them were maimed. Some of them were tortured. And some of them wanted to avoid that, and they handed over the scriptures. And um, so what you have is this church councils happen after church Christianity becomes legal. And you've got pastors there who handed over the scriptures. And you've got pastors there who are missing arms. They're missing eyes. They're scarred. They're disfigured because they didn't hand over right, the scriptures. Faithful some the end, yeah. paid the penalty and some didn't. Right. And so what you had was you had people who said, I can't be in a fellowship with you if you sinned. You handed over the scriptures. You were mm. weak. You were faithless. And so they would, I mean, they broke off and kind of had these two, these different groups because they said. We're like the real Christians. Yeah, we're the hardcore Christians, right. man. We teach the word and it's deep and it's, that's what it, you know, that's all that we got. And uh, we don't do anything else besides that. We don't talk about social issues. It's, this is it. Right, right. And so you got some people doing that and some people who, you know, didn't, they saw it a little bit differently or, right. or they didn't quite measure up. And so there's this big division. Mm-hmm. And when they really, you know, in trying to pull the church together, like Augustine was one of those guys who came back and said, listen, guys, we're all saved. Like, we're all sinners. It's not like you're, you're perfect and pure and we're right. not. You needed it's, the grace just as much. This is this is who we are, and yes. and it's it's what Christ did for us, not whether we stood up mm. to the test, not whether we were faithful on this particular issue. It's what Christ did for us, yeah. and so even in something like that, He had to go and appeal to unity based on Christ. Right. So this is an old thing, and I think for those of who are in our faith family, um, first of all, thanks for being on this journey with us. I mean, it, it'd be easy just to, get, to to tune out, to feel defensive, because um, I know I feel that way. Um, and I always have to check myself, and I always appeal then, okay, Jesus, you're my king. What do you think? That's who I want to follow. So I want to say thank you to those of you who are watermarkers. Thank you for being on this journey with us and entering the tension so that we might look more like Jesus. Um, and then others of you who may not are part of our faith family, um, just encourage you to find some more people around you to uh, someone different than you, someone who looks different than you, maybe thinks differently than you, and just listen and spend some time with them, especially if they're a brother or sister in Christ. Just get their perspective and share your perspective. I think that would go a long way uh, for all of us. But just to close us out, I'll ask Steve to pray for us. Sure, love to. So, Father, I can't help but think back to John 17 again, where Jesus is crying out to you, 
on behalf of not just the disciples there, but for disciples across all time, followers of Jesus across all time, he was saying, make them one. We join Jesus and say, make us one. Help us to see our blind spots. Help us to know where we are building the walls and keeping people at a distance. Who are our brothers and sisters? Lord, uh, be gentle and merciful with us. But Father, we long for you to build this new temple, this new body out of us in all of our diversity, in all of our weaknesses, uh, so that we can bring attention to you, bring you uh, glory and credit. So Father, that's what we want, that's what we long for. Thanks for, in your grace, letting us be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, have a great day. See ya.